We're going to read from Luke chapter 5. So if you have a Bible um, on your phone or they're in front of you, um, feel free to follow along. We're in Luke chapter 5, and we're going to read from verses 27 to 32. And this is the calling of Levi. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up. He left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, I wanted to start this morning with a quote, and it's a quote from the children's classic, Winnie the Pooh. don't know whether you've seen Winnie the Pooh or read Winnie the Pooh. One of my favorites. Um, and it says this, When you wake up in the morning, Pooh, said Piglet at last, what's the first thing you say to yourself? What's for breakfast, said Pooh. What do you say, Piglet? I say... I wonder what exciting thing is going to happen today, said Piglet. Pooh nodded thoughtfully. It's the same thing, he said. <laughs> now, I wonder if you are at all like Pooh, getting excited over what you're going to eat as soon as you wake up in the morning. Now, I have to admit, it's not the first thing I think about in the morning, but that's only because I'm one of these people that plans my meals at, like at the weekend for the week ahead so I do all my getting excited at the weekend plan it all out and then when I know wake up in the morning I know what I'm looking forward to so there's no need to sit and ponder it but I am all about the food and the meals uh, and that's what we're going to think about today so I just want to give us 20 seconds uh, to dream a little bit here if you were planning your perfect food day my friends and I used to score our days uh, based on the quality of the food we'd eaten so if we'd had like really good meals it would be like a 10 out of 10 food day and if it was like meh not so great you know more like three um so if you were scoring your 10 out of 10 food day what would you have for breakfast lunch and dinner have a think you might want to share it with the person next to you um it's up to you or just think about it um you've got 20 seconds right uh did we have what did we have Anyone want to share? Yeah? What would you have for breakfast? A harvest of breakfast. I love that. Okay, anyone else? Lunch? Um, macaroni. macaroni with cheese? Yeah. Yes, macaroni cheese. Love it. Anyone else? Yeah? Uh, you'd have fish fingers for breakfast like John T. Andy. There we go. I'd know what you get if you go around to Andy's house for dinner. Uh, so... We, have, we could plan our meal. I could plan meals all day. Love it. Love getting the recipe books out and planning. Um, and today we're thinking a bit about food and Jesus' meals. And it got me thinking, um, genuinely got me thinking, I wonder whether Jesus was a meal planner. And uh, I was like, did Jesus plan his meals? Because 
quite often you read in the Bible that he's just like walking along and then he's like, oh, I'm going to go to your house for dinner or we're going to go here or, oh, these people need food, let's feed them. So then I was like, maybe he doesn't plan. Maybe he's super spontaneous. I don't know. Question that we'll probably never know the answer to. Um, But what we do know is that Jesus ate a lot. So we don't know uh, what he ate particularly. We don't know what was his favorite. We don't know what he didn't like. We don't know whether he planned his meals a week in advance or spontaneously lived by whatever he could find. But what we do know is that Jesus thought meals were important. And um, our game earlier showed just a few of the stories in the Bible where Jesus ate meals with people. But there's a whole host of evidence for it in the Bible. So um, in Luke 7, we read that the Son of Man, so that's Jesus, came eating and drinking. And you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard. So not only was Jesus known for eating and drinking, he was actually known for eating and drinking a lot. And not only that, but his disciples were also known in the area for eating and drinking. Um, In the next bit after the passage we read today, it says, um, the Pharisees say, John's followers often fast for a certain time and pray, just as the Pharisees do. But your followers eat and drink all the time. (laughs) I don't know whether that's how they emphasized it, but that's how I read it. And... um, It just, it's really interesting. The more we read the Bible, the more we see that actually Jesus was eating and drinking all the time. Now, if I asked you to draw a picture of Jesus when he was on earth or explain to somebody what he did when he came to be here, I imagine we'd get all sorts of answers. I don't know what comes to mind. What would you draw? Perhaps you'd draw Jesus dying on the cross. That's one of the first things that comes to my mind. Or Jesus doing a miracle. Or Jesus teaching people. Or with his disciples. Maybe you would say that he came with a purpose to seek out and to save the lost. To save us from our sins or to show us how much he loved us. But I bet very few of us would immediately think to draw Jesus eating a meal. It's not what we think of very often, but as I say, the more we read the Gospels and the closer we read them, we see that actually it's what Jesus spent a lot of time doing. It's actually been suggested that in the book of Luke, so where this came from today, um, one-fifth of the sentences in the whole book um, are around the subject of a meal. And there's a a Bible scholar called Robert Karras, and he says, in Luke's Gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal at a meal, or coming from a meal. And uh, meals were important to Jesus. If you think about it, he was born and laid in a feeding trough. Uh, He's known as the bread that we need. He ate meals throughout his time on earth. He left us a special meal uh, to remember him by. He even came back, that really tricky one that Sam guessed, uh, he came back for a meal with his disciples um, after he had been raised from the dead. Meals were important to Jesus. And if they're important to Jesus and he valued them, then as Christians, we get to value them too. And I don't know about you, but I'm like, that sounds cool. If Jesus wants to value meals and he's saying, I get to value meals and eating with people and spending time with people, then I'm like, that is the kind of God that I am up for following. So today, my thought is really pretty simple. It's basically that God wants us to make meals important. 
And then there are two things that I want us to notice, particularly from this passage. So first things first, I just want you to have a think. Again, I'm going to let you chat to the person next to you. If, you. if the idea of chatting to someone else makes you want to like be swallowed into a hole in the ground, that is totally fine. You can just think. I'm totally fine with that. So think or chat. I want you to share a memorable meal. A meal that stands out to you in your memory. Something, it might have been a celebration, a party, a birthday, just an ordinary dinner. Something that comes to mind, a really good meal. And when was it and what happened and why? So just have a think. 30 seconds. Chat to the people around you if you want to or have a ponder. Like a really good meal. Okay, finish up our conversations. Maybe we can share more stories. I love hearing stories of people's favorite meals. Um, often you hear all sorts of exciting adventures. Now, when you were thinking or sharing about your favorite meal, can you put your hand in the air if you remember what you ate at that meal? Okay, so some of us definitely can. Okay, if, put your hands down. Can you remember who you ate it with? Okay, there's a few more hands there. There's some people that clearly can't remember either of those, but that's fine. Pop your hand down. Now, I was thinking about this because a meal is so much more than food. A meal is uh, the people and the conversation and the time spent around that meal. They offer us an opportunity for connection for understanding one another, for sharing ideas, what we think about things, for having discussions, for disagreeing, for asking questions. When we read about Jesus' meals in the Bible, we don't read a detailed menu of what they ate and when. Oh, the casserole that Martha made was so much nicer than the posh fish we had at Zacchaeus' house. Ah, oh, I just suddenly thought Zacchaeus was one of my Stories that we were meant to act out. Oh, well. Um, Zacchaeus, the story where Jesus says, I'm coming to your house for tea. We don't read what they ate. We read about the people. We read about the conversation. And we read about the transformation. So what was important for Jesus was, was not what he ate, but who he ate with. And in this passage in particular, um, we see that Jesus had this thing about eating meals um, as a way of doing mission. He ate with people who other people didn't want to eat with. In this passage, um, Levi was a tax collector, and tax collectors' association with the Roman government meant they were like the enemy of God. That's what everyone thought. And Jesus finds him. It says Jesus went out and saw Levi. He went and found Levi, and then that's where he went for dinner. You see, Jesus's meal table was his mission field. It was where he had conversations with people. He let them ask questions. He told them stories. And around those tables, he saw people transformed and uh, become Christians become followers of him through those um, meals. And not only that, but Jesus' meal table was a place of inclusion. So studies have shown that um, so often we eat with people that are like us. If you think about the people that you've eaten with recently, they're probably, on the whole, they're our friends, they're our families, they're people that work in the same places as us, they're often similar age, 
they're often the same race. Just statistically, we tend to eat with people that are similar to us. And therefore, our tables become a place of exclusion, of invite only, where only certain people kind of come. Not necessarily intentionally, but that's what's happened. But Jesus is a great example of doing the opposite. He, his tables were a place of inclusion. Anyone was welcome, especially those who other people thought were unimportant or not worthy. And so one of the things I want us to notice and think about today is who is God wanting us to eat with? Who can we share our meal times with, especially those who are far away from God, those who don't know his love or who are left out by others? How can we use meals as a way of giving them a glimpse of God's love and welcome? Now, the point here is it's not manipulative. It's not, oh, come for a lovely dinner and then I'm going to sneak in Jesus while you can't run away because you're waiting for your pudding and I'm going to preach the gospel act to you. It's not that. It's not come to my house so that you're trapped and I can uh, tell you everything I think you're doing wrong. It's more that this meal table, this place of sharing together, is a place where you get to know people. It builds relationships. It's a space for conversation. You get to know what they think. You hear things. And I don't know about you, but I think often around a dinner table or around a meal is where some of our best conversations happen. People open up and they share about what's going on in their lives or how they're feeling. And through that, I believe that God can work and he can do amazing things. So my three things, start a main course pudding, we're going to go with. Jesus ate meals. That's our first one. Second one is um, thinking about who do we eat with because Jesus ate with people uh, that other people didn't necessarily expect him to. And then um, thirdly, I wanted to know, us to notice that Jesus went to Levi's house. So as far as we know, Jesus didn't have a house. He spent his time inviting himself around to other people's houses for dinner and having picnics in giant fields. Um, and often when I think about this topic of like hospitality, hosting, meals, and I think of all the excuses. And they're different for all of us. So it might be, I can't cook, or I don't have enough money, or I don't have time, or I live with my parents, or I live with housemates, or I have a dining, don't have a dining table. But what I think is that hospitality is not entertaining, okay? And sometimes we've got them a bit confused. We don't have to have this amazing, beautiful, like, three-course meal on a really pretty table with soft lights and cool jazz in the background. Like, that's entertaining, not hospitality. The Greek word for hospitality means the love of a guest. How do you love a guest? expressing the welcome of God um, through tangible acts of love. If you can't cook, buy pizza. If you don't have much money, make soup. If you don't have a dining room, eat in the lounge. If you can't have people over, go for a picnic or find yourself a Zacchaeus and invite yourself around. Wherever Jesus went, he was the definition of hospitality. And those meals changed people's lives. So I just want to share three examples 
from my life of people that have shown me hospitality and I think do this really well, just to get us thinking about what could we do. So the first one was um, my friends when I was at school. Now question, do you get to choose who you sit with at lunchtime? Yeah, okay. I think it depends what school you go to. Um, but I was struck by how, when I was younger, um, particularly towards the end of my secondary school years, my friendship group used to sit in the same place in the canteen every lunchtime. And um, it became a thing, and then gradually as we got older and we didn't have... We had like free lessons, so you didn't have lessons all the time. There'd always be someone from my friendship group sat at the same table in the canteen. And it became a bit of a thing that if people were like walking around and they didn't have someone to sit with or they didn't have lunch or they didn't have a lesson and they didn't know what to do, people would just come and sit with us, like random people that I weren't, wasn't particularly friends with, but just by being in a space and being willing to sit and chat to whoever wanted to come and have their lunch with us, um, really, I saw opened up like amazing conversations with so many people. And that's not to say I was very good at it because I was quite shy. Um, but my friends were particularly good at it. So that was one example. How could you lose your um, school lunches or work lunch, I guess, same thing. Um, another example was one of my friends when I was at university. Um, we lived in staircases. And um, really weird, like curly staircases with just rooms off them. And we didn't have any shared spaces. We didn't have any like lounges or anything. And so when we first moved in, no one really knew each other. But there wasn't like a way of getting to know each other. And one of my friends, who's amazing at hospitality and loving people, decided to put on staircase tea. So she... Um, she was a Christian, and she felt like it was something that God had asked her to do. So she basically put a poster up on her staircase and said, come to my room, staircase tea. I don't remember what days they were. Thursday, this time. And she basically made pots of tea, went out and bought cake and biscuits, and anyone was welcome to come over to her room to have tea. And it was amazing because it just unintentionally became a thing that happened every week and everyone would go to Helena's house for staircase tea and it was just an amazing chance to welcome people in people that wouldn't necessarily get on with one another um, but they all just came and happily chatted about their weeks and um, that was something that came to mind and then the final thing that came to mind was when I was growing up um, there was a family in my church, and the dad was an amazing cook, and he um, used to do an amazing roast dinner, like the best roast dinner, roast beef, Yorkshire puddings. It was like mm, so good. And um, every week on a Sunday morning before church, he would put this roast dinner on, and he would always cook for at least double the number of people in his family. And that meant that when they came to church every week, they knew that they had space at their table to invite people back. And so if there was a new family or somebody visiting, you could bet that they would invite them over for Sunday lunch because they knew it was already in the oven. And the really cool thing was that as kids, it meant that their children were able to join in. So my friend used to be able to choose a friend and say, hey, do you want to come to my house for dinner today? Because we know that dad's always cooked way more than we need. And that's always stuck with me as an amazing example of, of welcoming people into uh, a group through food, through meals. And they're just a few things that I've experienced. I'm sure you guys have all got stories of times that meals have made a difference to you. But I suppose I just want to encourage us today that this is a really fun thing to do. 
When we follow Jesus, we get to have dinner with people, all sorts of people, people we know, people we don't know, people that are like us, people that are different from us. And I genuinely believe that God can use it for amazing things. So your dream meals that you started off thinking out with, maybe you can think about who you could share one of those with and what it might look like, whether that's lunch, dinner, breakfast on your way to work. How can we use one of the opportunities that we have every day um, to use our meals to bring people closer to Jesus? So before we finish, can we all just close our eyes? We're not closing our eyes because it's magic. We're just closing our eyes to stop us getting distracted. And I want you to picture your dinner table. If you don't have a dinner table, picture wherever you eat dinner, on the sofa, whatever. I want you to ask God to give you a picture in your mind of somebody that you could have in that space. Ask God, who do you want me to have food with? And see what pictures he drops into your mind. Or whether he reminds you of a person or a name. God, I thank you that meals and eating together and spending time together is something that you did. It's something that you love and it's something that you've made us to do. And I pray you'd constantly be putting these people in our paths, in our minds. And help us to find ways to invite them into our space to have meals with them, to share food, to chat, to tell stories. And I pray that you would use us, use our meals, whatever they look like, um, to do amazing things in people's lives. Amen. Amen. So maybe you want to share that afterwards, if there was anyone particular that came to mind. And I challenge us all, myself included, to do something, whether it's have a coffee. Go. Yourself, if we want more of the power of God living in us. And his journey into that time of powerful ministry started as he was a tutor in philosophy at college. And he heard someone coming to speak. And he spoke of the life of the Spirit. And he went back to his study and he closed his door and he prayed to God, Lord, give me that experience of the fullness of the 